with me tonight, if you would, and we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I actually, it's kind of odd, I, I, I was, as I was preparing um, the messages I preached recently for pastor while he was in Kentucky, uh, this, this message the Lord laid on my heart, and I started thinking about it, and, and uh, so he asked me again about a month ago if I would, if I would cover this, this Sunday evening service for him, so I, I determined to go ahead and preach in this subject. And uh, the subject of tonight's message is live in the moment. Let's all stand together, if you would, and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read beginning at verse number 19, if you'll read along with me silently. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, we, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the opportunities we've had throughout this day to worship you, to praise your name. We thank you for the admonition that you have given us today through the preaching of your word and, and through the music that we've heard and, and the music we've been able to sing. We thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy upon us. We thank you for your gift of grace. And now as we come together tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts and minds, that you would enlighten us, that you would guide us, and that you would... Help us to see uh, what lies before us and what we must do in order to serve and honor our Heavenly Father. Thank you for this time we have together. I pray it would be profitable to all, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God saved me on November 29, 1981. This weekend, I begin my 28th year as a child of God. On Sunday, December 6, 1981, I committed my life to the service of God in the gospel ministry. I have seen many changes in our Christian circles during the past 27 years. Much as our world has changed, so have the collective body of Christians in America. Life has become far more hectic and demanding, skyrocketing costs for food, for housing, gasoline, although praise the Lord, gasoline's on the way down, amen? All these things has necessitated that many families become two-income families. The five-day work week has been expanded uh, to six or, in many cases, seven days. The eight-hour workday that our fathers and grandfathers enjoyed now require a minimum of 12-hour commitment with commuting and, and, and other things. And we have become, for a large part, caught up in the materialism of this world. Madison Avenue admin have convinced us that we need all the things that they tell us that we need. We are convinced that we desperately need bigger houses, the most luxurious automobiles, the most exclusive vacations, large bank accounts, and well-funded retirement accounts. Even the elect of the Lord, in far too many cases today, equate happiness to material possessions or personal gratification. And it seems that the more we obtain, the more we desire. Solomon, in his wisdom, in Proverbs chapter 7, 27 and verse 20, writes, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The things of this world will never bring us true happiness. They will never satisfy the child of God. We must know that God will give us what God wants us to have. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. As I studied this week, John Gill in his commentary note states, With present things, with present riches, or with present poverty, with present losses and crosses, with present reproaches and afflictions, and contentment with these things shows itself by thankfulness for every mercy and by submission to the will and providence of God in every state of life. Now in our passage tonight, we see Jesus admonishing those that have come to hear him speak. He is admonishing them to avoid this snare of the devil, this sin, if you will, the sin of doubting and tempting God. Three times in the passage we read tonight, the Lord states, Take no thought. In verse number 25, he states, Take no thought for your life. In verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And in verse 34, we read, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Life, food, clothing, future, 
These are the focus of most, if not all, men. And certainly we do need these things. However, we must remember that God has promised to provide us with them. So, and to distress or to concern ourselves with these things is to express doubt in the Lord. It is to question His ability and His integrity. It is to question uh, the fact that He will keep His promise. It is to tempt His anger and to tempt His wrath. Therefore, we are warned not to be like the unbelievers. For it states, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek food, clothing, shelter, future security. These are the things that the unbelieving man invests and lives his life for. But that is not to be so among the children of God. Now, everyone here tonight is living within time. Some of us tonight are living in the past. We're living on past accomplishments. We're, we're distressed over past failures or over past problems. And it seems like we can't get the past out of our life. Yet Paul admonished us to forget the past. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, he writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before. May I tell you tonight that what is done is done, and we cannot change it. We may be sorry for it, we may regret the past, but the past is the past, and there's nothing you or I can do to change the past. It has been forgiven, and it has been forgotten by the Lord. Therefore, let us remember it no more. But then tonight, others are living in the future. Some tonight live totally in the future. They live for what will be, for what might be, and for what can be. And Solomon warns us not to be so foolish so as to think we can assure our future. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, he writes, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And James in his writings echoes this truth. In James chapter 4, in verses 13 through 15, we read, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. And we shouldn't live in the future. We shouldn't, we shouldn't live for, for the things that will be or may be or can be. Now my goal tonight in preaching this message is to help each of us see that we must not live in the past and we must not focus on the future, but we must live in the moment. We must live in today. But how can we accomplish this? How can we overcome our natural tendency to fret and worry? How many of you here tonight can honestly say you've never worried about anything? Raise your hand. I can't. I try not to, but I'm human. That's a poor excuse, but it's the only one I can offer. We all fret and worry. 
But I believe there are three things that I find in this passage of Scripture we read that we can each strive to do that will help us to accomplish this task of taking no thought, of living in the moment, not worrying about yesterday and not worrying about tomorrow, but living our life for the Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness that He desires for us to live right now, today. So I want to share these three thoughts with you and we'll be done. Number one, embrace the right perspectives. Each of us should strive to embrace the right perspectives. We read a moment ago in Matthew chapter 6, if you're still open to the Scriptures, please look with me at verse 31 again. We read, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now, now this is all a matter of philosophies. It revolves around right thinking. And to do this, to change the way we think, will mean a total change, a transformation in our hearts and minds. This is what Paul admonished us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice again in in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus said the Gentiles, or the unbelievers, seek these things. In other words, they seek to satisfy their lust for material possessions. We see it all the time. Everybody is jockeying for position. In the business world, people trying to get ahead. We see everyone putting all their focus and emphasis on satisfying this insatiable lust in our flesh for for material things. Do you realize that this behavior is predominantly American? It's predominantly American. You know, children tonight in Kenya, they're not dreaming about a new bike. They're not going to bed with visions of an Xbox 360 or a new, the newest and latest skateboard. You know, to the, the, the people that live in where some of our missionaries labor, do you know tonight their parents are not planning their next vacation? Do you know tonight they're not trying to get that promotion at work so they can upgrade their homes or so they can buy a bigger car? That, that's not what's consuming their hearts and minds tonight. No, no, they're going to bed tonight and they're hoping to find enough food to survive for one more day. They're dreaming about having a dry, warm house and bed. They're, play, they're praying tonight that they and their children might survive one more day. You see, this race for toys and possession and and things, this race that we live in, that we as Christians are consumed by now, that's predominantly American, I'm sorry to tell you. Jesus, when teaching his disciples to pray, taught them to ask for their daily bread. He did not teach them to ask for their monthly bread. 
He taught them to ask for their needs for that day. And then God providing those needs to invest their hearts and their minds in the work of the Lord that day. And don't worry about tomorrow. And forget about yesterday. And that's the perspective that we need. That's the mentality that we need. We need to understand that we are here now. And right now is the time to serve the Lord. We're to live in the moment. And we're to be satisfied with what we have. God knows what we need. And He will provide all that we need. He fed His children with manna in the wilderness. Their shoes and their clothing did not waste away for 40 years. He gave them shade by day and warmth by night. Oh, but how quickly we forget these things. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's all turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now before... When I was singing the last song, it was like a quarter after seven, and I was think, a, a quarter after six, and I was thinking, well, we're going to get out of here early tonight. It's now five minutes to seven. So don't plan on leaving too soon. Deuteronomy chapter eight, let's look at verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Boy, I tell you, that's where a lot of Americans are. That's where a lot of American Christians are today. They've forgotten the Lord their God. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied then thine heart be lifted up And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Did you see what it said in verse 17? And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. I mentioned this Wednesday evening. I received an email from my sister telling me to boycott this new dollar that's out. Because the new dollars that are being minted, they've removed in God we trust. And I was in the bank Friday, and I was talking to the teller there, the the young girl there, and she had a tray sitting there, and it was full of brand new shiny gold dollars. And I, I said, is that the new dollars? She said, yes, it is. I said, you know, I, I received an email saying that they removed in God we trust from the dollars. She said, really? I, I didn't know anything about that. She said, let's see. 
And she grabbed the new dollar and we looked at it. And in God we trust is not on that new dollar. You see, verse 17 came to light. We don't need God. It's by our powers, by our might, that America is what it is. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's by the might and power of God. The same God that will take care of you and I. The same God that will provide all our needs. The same God that told us, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things. And when we understand, and when we live with this perspective, we will be able to accomplish the daunting task of taking no thought. So first tonight, I admonish everyone here to embrace the right perspectives. But then secondly tonight, if we are to accomplish this task of of not being fretful and worried, I think number two, we must adopt the right priorities. We must adopt the right priorities. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we read, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> now, any of you here who are involved in management understand the importance of priorities. And every one of you mamas and housewives in this room, you're probably the greatest managers on the face of the earth. You understand priorities, don't you? You understand that you've got to get certain things done and certain things take priority over other things. The only way to accomplish anything is to establish and maintain priorities. And the same is true with learning to trust in God. We must have the right priorities. It is my experience after 27 years of ministry that the vast majority of people have the wrong priorities today. And I'm talking about Christian people. Now, I'm not going to waste time talking about wrong priorities tonight. Instead, I'm going to focus on the right priority. And the right priority is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This places the things of Christ above our personal material needs and possessions. This, by the way, was the testimony of Job. Job in chapter 23, verse 11 and 12 states, My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Yet today many Christians place their personal happiness and fulfillment above the things of the Lord. Church, tithing, obedience, these things become a matter of convenience rather than a matter of conviction. Marriage, family, fidelity, these things have been replaced in today's society by divorce, desertion, and infidelity, things that are a disgrace to the Lord. Honesty, integrity, dependability, these have all given way to lies, laziness, and selfishness. And all of this causes Some to doubt and mistrust the Lord. 
They do not exhibit faith in God because their priorities are misplaced. Joseph, think about Joseph for a minute. Joseph lived for God under the most discouraging of conditions. Can you think of, can you think of any, more, any more discouraging life than the life of Joseph? Hated by his brothers, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, lied about, cast into prison, forgotten and deserted in prison. What a discouraging life. My goodness. I don't know how I would have gotten through it, Pastor. I mean, someone hurts my feelings, I I go home and sit in my bedroom and... No, I don't. Sometimes I do. Depends. Oh, no. Most discouraging of conditions, yet Job held his priorities right. I mean, Joseph kept his priorities right. He honored God at every instant of life. What about Moses? Moses, adopted son of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The wealth and power of Egypt were in his hands. And he set it aside, choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than have all that the world could offer. See, Moses had the right priorities, that's why. Moses realized that the things of God were before anything else. What about Joshua and Caleb? Sent to spy out the land. Ten men went and all they saw were the problems. Two men went and all they saw were the blessings. And that's because Joshua and Caleb had the right right perspectives and they had the right priorities. Caleb said, though they be giants, they're nothing for God. We'll, We'll take care. The Lord can handle them. Caleb, in his old age, said, give me that mountain. These were men of priorities. What about Paul? Paul, the Bible tells us, finished his course, remained faithful unto death. Christ admonished us to take no thought. And if we're going to accomplish this, we need the right perspectives. And we need the right priorities. But then thirdly tonight, let me say this. We must fulfill the right purpose. We must fulfill the right purpose. In Matthew chapter 6, again, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now lastly tonight, if we will have the faith to to trust in the Lord, we will have to live our life in fulfillment of God's purpose for us. So what is God's purpose for me and you? Well, again, the wisest man to ever live with the exception of Jesus Christ, King Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 states this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What's God's purpose for you and I tonight? Fear God and keep His commandments. Now, I realize that we, as human beings, want to believe that we are so vital to God. 
as we sit smugly in our seats, we want to realize, we want to believe that God is sitting in heaven just wringing his hands, wanting us to just love him and honor him and worship him. And can I tell you that God is completely satisfied in his self. He doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. The fact of the matter is we need him. We want to believe that God just could not be happy without us. But Solomon, the man endued with wisdom from God, shoots us down and brings us down to earth. God does not have some earth-shattering purpose for us. It all comes down to this. Fear God and obey Him. This is our purpose. This is our duty. Now, don't get me wrong here tonight. I'm not trying to and by any means demean the work of the church. And, and we certainly know, uh, we do know that God has called us into His service. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And, and we do have a responsibility and we do have an obligation to live moral and, 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 and pure lives in the sight of our God. And our calling is important. And it's in the will of God. However, we must understand that everything we do is to bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord and not to draw attention to ourselves. We worry too much about our name. We worry too much about our importance. We worry too much about our prominence. Ah, well, they didn't treat me right. They weren't nice to me. Yeah, they were really nice to Jesus, weren't they? Yeah, they, were, they treated him like a king. Put a crown on his head. Gave him a staff. Put a robe on his back. Of course, the crowns were thorns. The, the scepter was a reed. And the, the robe, they, they gambled for and, 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 and tore apart at the end. Oh, no. My dear friends... Everything is about God, not about me. And we must fulfill our purpose, and our purpose is to fear God and keep His commandments. Now, when a man get this, gets this right, he doesn't need a pat on the back. He's content just to serve. When a man gets this right, he does not need a title. He desires to exalt the name of Christ, not himself. When a man gets this right, he is content with what he has and offers all that he has, a living sacrifice unto God. We cannot serve the Lord and live for ourselves. God demands all of us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, we read, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. That's it. You want to know what the Lord demands of you? There it is. This is what God demands of me. Look at it. To fear the Lord thy God. 
to walk in His ways, to love Him, and to serve Him with all my heart and all my soul. That's what God demands of me. Not to build a giant school. Not to be a a man of everybody's come and preach for me list. That's what some Christians are living for today. The ten minute ovations. While they stand there so humbly and meekly. Oh, 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 oh. You think Paul would have taken a ten minute ovation? He'd have gotten out there and beat everybody up. No, no. You know, our perspectives are all wrong in America today. They're all cattywampus. Our priorities are all whacked out. We're so worried about everything, we forget about Christ. And you know what? We're not living for the right purpose anymore. We're living to satisfy self. We're living to please our children. We're living, men, we're living to, please, living to please our wives. And by the way, that's a good thing to do, guys. You know, if you Keep mama happy, everybody's happy. We've got the wrong priorities. We, we're living for the wrong purposes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Live in the moment. Stop making excuses and get busy serving the Lord. Over the years, I've had men tell me, well, you know, I would, I would go visiting. I would help in the bus ministry. I, I, would, I would help with the landscaping. I would do this and I would do that. But you see, Saturday's my only day. You know what? It's, it's also the only day for all the men that come out here and do the work. Stop making excuses. My grandpa told me an excuse is nothing but a reason stuffed with a lie. Just stop making excuses and get busy and start serving the Lord. Get the right perspective. Life is not about houses and cars and toys. It is about the Lord our God. Set the right priorities. Make it God first and everything else second. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then live with the right purpose. Fear the Lord, obey His commandments, love Him with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. Walk worthy of the name of God. Let us pray. Our Father, thank You for this time. And Lord, I just pray that You would help me tonight to have the right perspective. Lord, that You would teach me and help me to to maintain the right priorities. And Lord, to, to live to live with a purpose, to live of all those things that you require of me. And Lord, help me to forget the past. It's gone. I can't change it. I, I may be sorry for it, and I may wish it never happened, but Lord, it's gone. And, and, and Lord, help me not to live in the future, because I don't, I don't even know that I have a future. Help me to live right now. Help me to be at this moment what I need to be. Help me to do right now what I need to do. Give me the things that I need so that I can can live and serve you. Strengthen us. You are the almighty God, the creator of all things. 
Nothing exists without you. We need not fear the economy or the government or any. We need fear nothing, for we are safely in the hands of God. Give us the strength and the courage to accept your will for our lives and and to go forward and do what we must do, regardless of the consequences. Strengthen us. And in all of this, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified, that all of this is for your glory and for your honor, that you might bring praise to your name. I pray you bless your people tonight and this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.